How are you, Julie? Good, thanks, Bezo. How are you? What do you got for me? I've got Drift. Drift from America, and it's all about coffee. Another pretty, pretty, pretty magazine. Mm, yes, it is. But also, I started reading it the other day, and the articles are actually quite good. Mm. Um, so this is on Havana, and then they talk to um, all the locals. Um, you know, they're either um, coffee producers or coffee drinkers, like the uh, like the taxi drivers yep. who drink the coffees. Um, what I found was it's actually quite interesting for life in Havana. Yeah, it's more yeah. almost like a um, a travel magazine if you're interested in coffee. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I need a bit of name the magazine for it. Then the, Drift? The, no, no, no. The, then these amazing, heavily produced, beautiful books. Mm-hmm. They're almost like a book, but they're not, they're not really a book and they're not really no. a magazine. There is actually a term for it. Um, can't remember now. Yeah, I've gone stupid. There is a term. Somebody you know, made a term for you, you this type of publication. You can't really uh, group that in the Women's Weekly in the no. same. In the oh same my god! No way. No, not at all. <laughs> no, these are. Uh, I think they're. Um, they're like a coffee table book, aren't they? But yes. they're but they're not a hardcover. No. Um, I'm trying to remember that term now. <laughs> You'll have to remember it for next week. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Anyway, I've only got one left now okay. in the store. Um, and while we've got you, I'm going to bring you a cheesy shirt next week. Okay. But we thanks. would we would like to buy some more gear for the podcast. So if people okay. have a bit of spare cash and want to buy a shirt, I'll uh, throw a link in the show notes. All right. Um, but help us I'll out. Start promoting it. So we can um, buy some nicer microphones and okay. everyone doesn't have to yell. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Julie. Thanks, Bezo. See ya. See ya. We, we, we should wrap up things that we like, like, like food. That's you bugging as death, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Got spaghetti in you. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheesemaker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. Eating crackers. How about corned beef, Mr. Haggard? I'd say you've had enough. Welcome to Cheesy, Melinda. Hang on. Thank you. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? You like getting free wine? I love getting free <laughs> wine. It just makes it taste all that more sweeter. I um, I really enjoy. Actually, I think thinking actually last night that wine has surpassed all other alcohol well at least until I can earn enough money to be able to afford expensive scotch you know so in your world wine has surpassed all of that yeah alcohol. like I used to be a real uh you know I love beer I love mm-hmm. all just trying all different types of beer mm-hmm. but um yeah just wine just if I feel like a drink now seems to be maybe it's just because I'm getting old mm-hmm. but um particularly red wine which is not a good thing because I find it very hard to um Beer is a very easily controllable mm. substance, mm. you know. It yep. comes in a nice little small bottle and you have one and you go, that's it. Yeah. You know, the wine glass can be uh, so fluid. Yes, and if someone else is topping it up for you, it can get very dangerous. Mm. So I won't top your wine up tonight. We we have um, 
I've got three small children we have mm-hmm. two other adults living in our house as well so there's always someone willing to top your one up top your one up well that's very generous <laughs> I'm often the one over in the corner just sneaking just it sneaking all for myself oh no and I buy you know I'm in one of the it's not a wine club but you know you get a lot of um, I get you know these mixed boxes from the internet and oh yeah and it's uh, actually got a Malbec last night I took a photo of it it was that good and you just occasionally come across you know an absolute gem mm. and it was fantastic I love Malbec mm. it just gives me an excuse to tell people that I've been to Mendoza in Argentina yeah before. right I've been to a Malbec winery it's um well Dr. Yobo so my um my podcast uh, partner from my other two podcasts he um for some reason they, in New Zealand they get a lot of Argentinian wine at quite a good price and yeah he's very fond of the south american malbec i love it and you can get decent bottles of it for compared to what you'd pay for other wines it's more affordable because it's not a named grape variety Mm, you know like you say chardonnay shiraz Mm. or merlot people sort of know but malbec is like is is that the brand of the wine or is that the type yeah. of grape they, they're probably not really sure yeah um, i think it's it's getting popular though it's one of those wines that i think is going to have its moment soon and mm. this is coming from someone who's not an avid wine drinker but i was reading something i think it was in melbourne they had a malbec festival or malbec oh, appreciation really? thing and I, I can't remember what it was um so that kind of made me think well maybe it's one of those wines that's on the up it oh, might yeah. be the next big thing last episode we had our wine sponsor Stacy from um, Fat Grape and I basically had a whole heap of you know punters questions mm-hmm. to ask yep. about wine it was good it was sort of like have an expert here and I could throw everything that I wanted to know about wine at him in an hour so. yeah oh that makes me feel like maybe we shouldn't be following up with me and talking about <laughs> well no wine. I want to talk you've just done an article on tea haven't you I'm going to ask you a heap of tea questions oh a heap of tea questions awesome that's what I love to talk about I am a bit of a crazy tea drinker mm. I have to admit I started drinking the old Lipton tea bags because I didn't ever like coffee I've never developed a taste oh, for wow. it but still sometimes you crave a warm drink that's kind yeah. of where it started and then eventually you know the t2 stores opened up so you, you get a, well, a bit more exposure to it and that's sort of where the love affair began even, i guess even more than coffee you can be so niche and like mm. there's a million different teas there's you can get so there. many varieties which is very very cool i mean if i open my tea cupboard on any particular day there's about 10 different types in there so mm. you know if i want a green tea well which exact type of green tea do i feel like do i want well, you, jasmine tea or dragon well so you'll have to expand so i've tried a few different teas but i have like one tried and true favorite mm-hmm. yep which is the twinings earl grey oh, i love earl grey I, i've i've tried um a few different more expensive sort of unknown name ones to because i I love that citrus sort of Mm. um and maybe i'm just conditioned to the 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 twinings one but i haven't found one that's better have you got a suggestion for a an earl grey that should be superior to the off the shelf twinings one honestly no but i have had the twinings one before and it's not it 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 is really nice i wouldn't say that i'm a bit of an earl grey expert Mm. though but if i just i think the whole snobbery in any area of food and drinks is so unnecessary so if you like twinings tea then you like it 
be proud of it. You shouldn't have to say, oh, you're like, I, I find this a lot. I go to people's houses and they know that I love tea and they just say, oh, I've only got tea bags. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. You're giving me a drink. You know, that's so lovely. I think unlike coffee, and I had a terrible coffee. I went, I was um, working in northern New South Wales yesterday. So Lismore Casino, Kyogle. Mm-hmm. And I stopped in Lismore, just drove down the street, saw a place, funky looking coffee place. Yep. I'll stop here and get a coffee thinking and it always surprises me but it was a terrible coffee was it? it was really really bad um, and it always surprises me that in this day and age you can get a bad, bad coffee. coffee like it's not like the knowledge isn't out there now you know and the, you would think that the punter would know what a bad coffee is and anywhere that did make bad coffee mm-hmm. would sort of slowly disappear maybe it was just a bad day but it's hard to make a really bad tea, isn't it? It is hard. I mean, there's certain things that you can do to make your tea taste better. Mm. You can use filtered water. You can, you know, you set the temperature that you boil. So that's the next thing on my wish list because I'm always running to the kettle to mm. flick it off so it doesn't reach the boil. You want just under the boil? Yeah, apparently um, I was some tea people were telling me once and I've never looked into this but I I trust them so I'm going to repeat it once and I'm not a foodie either so I wouldn't be able to comment but apparently once water reaches the boil then it takes more flavor out of things so even when you're cooking you know it's better to simmer and not boil breaking the surface tension so you're letting stuff out yeah that sounds correct well my mum who is a mad tea drinker yeah um way more addicted to tea than I am to coffee I'd have to say and I'm pretty damn addicted to coffee Um, we've got a little holiday shack on Mm -hmm. Curtis Island just off the coast of Gladstone oh awesome and she thinks that the tea at Curtis Island because you get a little bit of salt from the sea air in your tank water that the tea at South End tastes better than anywhere else really Mm. so salt even works in tea to bring out the flavour well I think it'd be so the tank water in, in at South End does taste way better mm-hmm. I, I don't know why mm. it wouldn't be particularly clean water mm. being plastered yeah <laughs> probably have a few um heavy metal trace elements from the well, maybe that's the secret all, all the industry but um well some yeah the island's sort of off a bit but it, it does have a little bit of something different even the tank water in town tastes different to the tank water at the island but mum claims it's just the it's the water it's a little bit of a little tiny bit of salt that comes in you know and you do get salt like you get little salt crust on the window and yeah. on, the, on the roof so there would be a very small amount of salt in the water that's really interesting because mm. i definitely taste the difference if i use purified water and non and, and, and tap water mm. and also too if the water has been boiled once before so if i've boiled the kettle and then i reboil oh uh, yeah you yeah. can taste, taste that, the, that the difference yeah, yeah it's it's not quite as yeah, flat is a good word for it. So um, there could be something to your mum's theory. Well, we're, we're on... It's, it's funny how your sort of life goes in cycles because when I first came to Brisbane, um, I couldn't drink Brisbane water. Mum used to, you know, hear of people bringing care packages down. The only thing mum ever brought me down to Gladstone was 20-litre drums of tank water. Really? <laughs> so I yeah. could drink tank water. I slightly got used to it, but, yeah, that first year just just couldn't drink the water out of the tap in brisbane couldn't stomach it yeah and now we're back on tanks where we've got a little property down near yatla mm-hmm. sort of in between yatla and tambourine and um 
we because there's seven of us in our house we occasionally have to buy water in and straight away you can taste the difference between that that chlorinated um, town water versus the, the the stuff that comes out of the sky so yeah right you've got a good palate for water yeah um, I don't know it just and I, I find it's a little bit like I've got the same theory with fruit which is trying why I'm trying to grow as much fruit as I can and I actually think that Australian fruits got in a bit better in the last couple of years but you know like when you give kids fruit off a tree Mm -hmm. and they just devour it and I reckon it's just it's simply because it tastes better yeah so what are you growing oh I've got probably 30 trees in now I've got apples and pears and nashi heaps of lemons heaps of limes Mm -hmm. a couple of finger limes though they're struggling and I don't know why um mandarin Blood orange, uh, macadamias. Uh, what else have I got? I've got a couple of natives, um, mm-hmm. Burdekin plum, um, something called a guramachina, which is a tropical cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got another one called a Brazilian cherry, which is a South American. Um, it's like a looks like a little pumpkin, a little tiny yeah. pumpkin has a big seed in the side like a cherry. Yeah. Um, and is really really tart and if you let them get really deep red quite Mm. ripe they're sort of tart but sweet at the same time so you sort of get a tart shock and then a sweet sort of aftertaste how did you find out about that Uh, again we've we had one at Curtis Island when I was growing up Ah. and you've got to be really careful with them because um, they seed quite easily in some parts of Mm. Australia there I think in sort of North Queensland they're considered a pest because birds are coming and eat them and the seeds are quite big and don't sort of break up and they fly yep. off and crack the seeds out and the Brazilian cherries just spread everywhere um, I think that's about it a couple of avocados a um, couple of blueberries yeah so are you getting really good at preserving fruits no so they're all creating? they're all sort of you know it takes four or five years for them all to start bearing yep so I've had like I've had a couple of good crops of the Brazilian cherries for mm-hmm. jam. Um, they make a really nice jam. And I've had one lemon and I've got like... One lemon. One lemon. And I've got like seven limes on one of the lime trees this year. So, so exciting, that first harvest. Oh, yeah. It'd be just be... Like we... In my cooking, you know, just chew through lemons like there's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Actually, the... Um, uh, we had a guy on the pod one week who did. The, he was the chef in Antarctica for the, for, you know, oh, for the missions there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And he said the the um, he did it for years and years. And he said the hardest thing was the first year, he was because they only get one food drop a year, so you have to manage all the, you know, it's, it's like stock management as well as cooking. Yeah, ration everything out quite carefully. And he said um, eight months in the first year he ran out of lemons. He's like, do you know how hard it is to cook? without lemons we'd be but, lost that's right. and he said he'd saved all the skins and and stuff to zest and use and other things and he said he got got away around it but yeah he said never did that again yeah that's we we would be lost i'm i'm so lucky i have a partner who's from laos originally mm-hmm. so at home we just eat incredible food he makes so many things from scratch he makes noodles from scratch yeah. soups from scratch but the crisp is always full of lemons you can't have southeast asian food without, without it and without i just citrus, couldn't even yeah. imagine a life without lemons yeah I, I, i'm always dirty at myself when i go to do something and i don't have um 
lemons or eggs. It's the, the two yeah. things that, and um, I've got chooks, so the only problem is I've got a bit of a, a predator girl I know at the moment who seems to like my eggs more than than I. He gets more than I get, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the dream, and I've got a dairy cow, so, you know, the idea is that eventually you moving towards self-sufficiency oh, yeah you can never it's it's impractical to be self-sufficient and I'm a terrible gardener like mm. veggie garden I'm just hopeless I've just got no touch for it at all I always wonder that because I have a little herb garden mm. at home and I love it we grow we live in apartments we have a small courtyard but we manage to grow chilies basil most of our herbs yeah. and we have a few flowers around the place but I always think, is this, how sustainable is this? I'm, I'm growing my own food. I'm not buying from farms that aren't sustainable. But at the same time, the amount of water that I use to keep it going and um, I'm, I'm buying potting mix and I'm always having to top it up and that comes in plastic bags. And Yeah, that's probably right. I always question if that is really... Do you have a worm farm? More. No, I don't. Mm. See, that's a good way to get around a lot of that is if you can return your waste back into that fertiliser soil mm. because worm farms produce quite good like better than any potting mix you can get yeah. and um, you can get really tiny ones that, and you can get the other ones that turn it into basically into a compost too that aren't a worm farm it's like a I don't know what they're called it's like you add a, a, a chemical and it helps yeah. break it down very very quickly that's interesting and you you basically get you know like a nice bag of potting mix at the end of yeah. it yeah because I've, I've always wanted to have compost but compost and apartment living doesn't really go mm. hand in hand worm, you can get pretty small worm farms yeah um and the good thing about them too is you get the you get the liquid fertilizer so um you, you never have to fertilize anything yeah but see that's uh, with the chooks even when i don't get many eggs the fact that they're turning all my scraps and i've got two two-year-olds and a four-year-old so mm. I have a fair bit of food waste at yeah. the moment yeah um be not too worried because that's all getting turned back into stuff that I can use in the garden so yeah. you know I'm not that particularly phased about it it's a nice it'd be a nice feeling to know that you're not wasting anything and that mm. there's a sort of system in place yeah you know? I really that the next one I want to do is um I'm going to build a big worm farm out of um a wheelie bin and I want to try and get rid of all our cardboard waste so turn all the, like put all the cardboard in it plus enough veggies to sort of keep the worms going so mm-hmm. that I'm not sending any carb you know the, the goal is to try and send as little off the place as property as possible as possible yeah and you know the amount of cardboard you get in stuff just you know cereal packets mm. and beer packets beer and everything packets. like that well, you're not drinking beer anymore so no no not really well the issue. wine still comes in cartons yeah, in my place so that's true it's not coming in single bottles that's for sure um but yeah see if i can start reducing that down a little bit as well but um yeah no luck with the plastic there's still a lot of plastic especially with young kids there's a lot of plastic waste well, interestingly, um, the Met Gala was on last night. Mm. This is kind of getting off topic a bit, but no, no, that's what we're good at. Pardon? That's what that's we're what good we're at, at with the podcast. Excellent. And Emma Watson wore a dress that was made entirely from recycled oh, right. plastic, which was very interesting. There was three... was it still a good dress? It was. It was very interesting the way it was constructed. So I think I'm not I only glanced at the article, but it, I think it was made from five different pieces. So she had 
the train was detachable. It had a pair of pants as part of it and then yeah, a right. corset and a few other bits and pieces. So the idea was that each piece could be worn over and over again and that it wasn't yeah. just this extravagant creation one-off. for a one-off event. So she'll wear the pants again or she'll attach the train, um, or something the train else. to another garment or something like yeah, that. Right. So there might be hope for your plastic if, you, uh, yeah. if you're looking the cheesy t-shirts maybe yeah yeah recycled well i'm i'm the other one that i'm big into is um uh the bamboo because i love bamboo it's one of my little favorite things yeah great fiber i'd love to have um cheesy bamboo t-shirts but i haven't found a good screen printed Mm. one yet so my sister just had a baby and the amount of money that people spent giving her little bamboo socks oh yeah outfits yeah and I thought, no one's ever spent that on me. Everyone says, oh, you want bamboo? That's really expensive. Yeah. Little baby, you know, $20 for a little pair of baby bamboo socks. So, so my mum... People just shell money out. Like, I don't know if you found that when you had kids, yeah, but the oh, amount yeah. of money that gets spent. Well, we spent no... Like, we always laugh because we've spent almost no money on our kids' clothes or toys so far because it's all secondhand or... Um, and the, the thing with babies... Or it, depending on I think on your, your circle of friends but what we found is you get clothes and then you get especially with babies you get a whole heap of gifts so you add your gifts to the mm. clothes and you sort of retire the old the oldest and crappiest ones and then you pass them on to someone else and they do yeah. the same thing and these things sort of cycle around we've got a couple of friends with older kids and they come down and go oh yes I remember that and that and that, and that. Yeah. I remember wearing that yeah. yeah so um yeah that's pretty cool but yeah my my mum she absolutely hates bamboo. She, her neighbour's got this bamboo that invades into her, into her place. But she knows I love it. So one year she bought me two bamboo towels. She's like, look, I might hate it, but I sort of understand what you, where you're coming from. That's a mother's love mm. right there. But um, yeah, I've got. It's a very versatile little farm thing to have bamboo. It always comes in handy. Well, you can do so much with it. I was reading something. Um, I think it's somewhere in Africa. They're making bicycles out of it now yeah, because right. it's so strong yeah, it's that in- you can do so much with it. So what they're doing is, and it grows so quickly yeah. and so cheaply that they're cutting it down and they're making bicycles out of it. And it's just opening up so many doors for people because when you've got transport, transport. you can go to school, you can go to work, yeah. you can you know if you need water it makes the trip so much faster and you don't think that something so simple like a bicycle can do so much for a person and mobility is you know amazing i just it's yeah i would love to be able to ride for work it would be you know i drive way too much in a car well it's a bit hard to ride with three kids too to be honest yeah not, I don't think there's too many bicycles that allow you could get a big tandem bike <laughs> all those ones that you see people riding around with the trailer the yeah, little trailer yeah, yeah. thing on the back yeah although you'd have to be pretty strong to pretty, pull I, three kids I push, I push the twins I think the most I'll push the twins in the pram is 24k so um, I reckon I could pull one of those on a bike a bit easier than pushing them yeah perhaps well I'll take my hat off to you but it's I find it hard in Brisbane because of all the hills yeah yeah um, we live in New Farm and I recently sold my car, which was probably one of the best decisions yeah. I've made. Once it was gone, I didn't realise how much worry that I invest into a car, which seems silly, but 
you're always thinking, does it need petrol? Is it due for a service? Do I need tires? All of these things. And I was only driving it once a week or once a fortnight because I work from home and I can sort of walk to most places that I need to go. Well, Brisbane's not, in the inner city is not, not too bad for that now. Yeah, it's, and you know, I can take a bus where I need to go or walk. So I, I decided to sell it and try going without a car for a year. And I have to say that my partner has one. So when we go to the coast yeah, on weekends yeah. and that kind of thing, it's not prohibitive. But for me, not having that worry is just so nice. Do you use the uh, dirty word in Queensland politics at the moment? Do you use Uber at all? Yes, I do. <laughs> so that was sort of the, the question. Could I, would it be cheaper for me? to get around on a bus and for those long distance trips where I couldn't get a bus to just take an Uber Mm. from time to time and so far it's it's coming out cheaper one of my um, favourite basketball writers who lives in Miami lives and works in Miami and he did the same he just got rid of his car he said like you know Miami is probably a very similar climate to Brisbane Mm -hmm. and he's like well you know except for two months of summer I just walk everywhere yeah that's it and then you know if it's if it's further to go or I've got to get to the the game quickly I just get an Uber and he's like yeah as, as far as um he said I don't even really think about the car and the same thing his wife's got a car if they've got to go on long family trips or something like that yeah but he said it was madness to have two cars just for him to drive to and from a basketball stadium yeah so. for you know every now and then mm. when you need it there's other things that you can do and it does and a few times when I've walked places I've realized that if I had driven it would have taken me just as long by the time I found a car park yeah. or if it's in the city the car parking isn't necessarily beside where you need to be so by the time you park your car at the opposite end of the city and walk there in fact it takes up as much as your time as it would have just walking there in the first place and your parking would probably cost as much as an uber i had to go in for um, uh, a work thing once and i was shocked i wasn't you know an hour of parking i was like i would have been better off just catching a cab in or something yeah it's crazy yeah um, Which is sort of understandable. Like that's what they, they're trying to dissuade people from bringing cars into the city. Yeah, there's a cheap one though up near Central Station, which is where I used to park mm. all the time when I used to drive into the city. But you can get stung forty bucks an hour yeah. or something like that. It's absolutely crazy. I just think I could go for a really nice meal with that much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, even Southbank because we the um, Southbank is such a great resource for for kids in terms of you know things to do. So we. We came up and went to the museum and um, uh, then went down and had a play and then went for a little swim and, and we found if you park up the, would it be the north end, it's a lot cheaper than parking sort of right in the heart of South Bank. Like, oh, really? Like considerably. It was like $15 for the day rather than sort of $45 for the day. Um, so just, just on the other side of the museum under the convention centre was only 15 bucks a day. That's a hard thing about South Bank and I think it's a location thing but the the sort of premise behind it is that, and it is an amazing free community resource but it's not because the parking is so expensive and it still makes it inaccessible yeah. for a lot of people yeah it's just for us it's just great because yeah there's just heaps for the kids to do yeah and let them go so yeah it's and the beach whenever we have people come to Brisbane it's the first place they always want to go yeah. it's so synonymous well, the, the other end for people with younger kids where it's all sort of that built 
environment and they've got that big map of Brisbane with the water flowing down the rivers and stuff like that. I don't know if you've been down that end. I don't think I have, but, but they have a big new community garden now too. Oh, really? Is that still there? I yeah. don't know, no. It was a couple of years ago. Um, and I went and they'd put in this massive garden. They were growing tomatoes and basil and yeah. all of these things, strawberries, and you could uh, pick it all. I don't know if it's still there. I've got a bit of a thing about public spaces and not planting enough edibles. I think they should be planting more edibles. Like in when we were in Queenstown last time, they plant pears and apricots and apples and stuff in their parks so you know you end up having somewhere that's providing food for people yeah, as well if you're going to put a tree yeah, there that's right and there's that oh, i actually saw on um on facebook the other day some gorilla gardeners in america and this is really hard stuff to do but they were going around and there's some ornamental trees that will take grafts of fruit trees so they're going around and grafting fruit on, onto the ornamentals that the councils had already planted yep. and turning these big trees into fruit trees, um, which is, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. But um, Very cool. Yeah, very cool. And what, get was us. there any sort of response from the council? No, I don't, think, you, I don't think you'd know that, that, you know, the fruit tree would just grow. They until, just plant it once and don't think about it. Well, the, the tree, as far as the council concerned, look exactly the same because mm. all you're doing is taking a branch and putting a graft onto a branch and then the fruit tree grows off the main thing. Yeah. Um, so until it starts bearing fruit, you'd never even know it was there. I wonder how long it would take before people would feel comfortable taking the fruit. Yeah. There would kind of be that perception, oh, I don't want people to see me picking limes oh, in yeah. public. What if people think I can't afford well, limes? I'll, I'll give... I'll, in Cook Street in Red Hill, on the front, it's it's in a house. I guess it belongs to the people that own the house. But when I was renting there, I planted a lime tree in the front yard, so you can walk past and just it's right on the front. You yeah. Know, you don't have to go into the into the private space. Yeah. It's right on the on the verge. I planted this lime tree, and the grey water from the washing machine used to go on into it, and it did well. And then we moved out to where we are now. And I drove past the other day, and this tree is freaking massive and covered in limes. Really? Can you give me the address? I'm yeah, going to go for, after 14, this. 14 Cook Street, Red Hill. <laughs> Just drive past and pick the lime. And that's the, the poor thing. Like, who live there, there now. Were, well, no, there was people. There, there was limes lying on the ground, so they're obviously not. Oh, you know, this is a year ago. Whoever was renting it, because it's just a rental. Um, we're not interested in the limes. Yep. And it just made me cry. Like they were getting more fruit than I've got out of my whole orchard. Yeah. And it's just lying there. That's, so. um, that's one of our biggest frustrations. Um, I mentioned before my partner's from Laos, so we eat a lot of green pawpaw salad. And it's very hard to come across green pawpaws in the supermarkets oh, okay. and at the markets. And we see them yeah. on the trees and we see them ripen and we see them fall onto the ground. Yeah. And we don't have space to grow one, but... You know, you could try, a lot of fruit um, trees can go to waste. Um, I'll see if I can find them. But now. if we do find one in a public space, we will happily go and pick should, the green pawpaws. You should just find some public space and go and start planting some pawpaws. We should do. I might plant one just outside this cafe here. There might be space. Um, there is... Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. There's a website that... Um, right near me, it's called. So... All you basically do is put your suburb in, mm-hmm. and it shows people all around selling excess fruit, vegetables, giving it away. Really? Yeah. So you should get on there and have a look for some pawpaw, and you can send them a message through the website 
So if you find someone that's yeah. selling pawpaws, just say, look, have you got any green ones? And they probably give them to you. Well, because by the time they ripen, they're often taken by the possums. And I think yeah. that's the biggest frustration for people growing I don't really fruit like, like that. I don't really like pawpaw. I've got yeah, heaps pawpaw. of them. <laughs> like, you can have as many as you like. Really? Okay, sure. Um, let's start a pawpaw. I can't, I can't really trade you anything. <laughs> yeah, I can trade you some of my basil that I'm growing at home. Yeah, yeah. I could always... What do you think of the Syrah we're drinking? It's, Bird on a wire. It's delicious. I'm Thank you, Stacey. Yes, thank you very much. It's delicious. I'm very much enjoying it. It's been a long Wednesday, so a glass of wine. Yeah. It's been really nice. I'm just going to check that he's selling it on his on his site. So, our sponsor is Fat Grape, which is a online wine retailer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there we go. Bird on a Wire Syrah, 2012. I have to say, I think this is the best one because he's been giving us a lot of whites and I hadn't talked to him um, before. And then when he came in last episode, I was like, yeah, I really like reds. <laughs> so maybe he's, um, maybe he's switched he to, the, the to, the, to the red um, to the uh, red portion of his I think this would cellar. be really nice with a lovely hard cheese. Mm. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd go some... I was hoping... Normally Ben from Gerard's dropped in drops in halfway through the podcast so I was going to uh, hit him up for some you know nice little platter of prosciutto or something oh, some ham on from, <laughs> from Gerard's bar that'd be good just go and raid his front window yeah I've noticed that Gerard's has started doing a food lab where they're I think it's once a month they're trialing a lot of different dishes so you can yeah, yeah. the food oh, I'd love to go I think that's such a cool concept yeah he's a um he's definitely a he, I went into just a sailor the other day and he had um, fresh pistachio nuts mm-hmm. and he had the skins of the pistachio nuts. I can't remember what the flavour was, but they didn't taste like pistachios. They tasted quite floral or something else. And he was going to grind them up into a paste and use them in something completely different. He, he really has a, um, a particular type of mind for that, that food. Yeah. Um, yeah, way beyond anything that I do at home, that's for sure. I love the way that chefs think, mm. the way that they can look at something and say, well, how can I turn this into something else or how can I not waste this? And yeah. They always have the answer to that question or they'll work at it until they figure out the answer to that question. And I think we're just not taught to think like that about food. No, it's, it's funny that level of thinking about food because... Um, my the guy that lives with us is a really good mate of mine he he loves food and he likes cooking but he doesn't have um a level of base knowledge that makes him comfortable just cooking Mm -hmm. he's got to cook from a recipe yeah and he's very particular about the methodology and the ingredients so we started doing this thing where once a week i'd teach him to cook something that he likes that i cook yeah and so he'd sit there with his little book and and I go, okay, well, you do this. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Take it back like three steps. How much of this do you use? Like, I don't know. How do I cut it up? How many centimetres yeah, yeah. should it be? How wide yeah. should I cut And I'm like, yeah, you just chop it, mate. And how much salt? I don't know. You pick it up. It, like, And it really brought it back to me that I don't even think about that stuff. Like if I'm cooking for two people, I know it's a little pinch of salt. If I'm cooking for six, I know it's a big pinch of salt. Mm. I never... And it, that pinch would probably vary slightly between depending on who's there and I, I know that about my cooking I can't cook the same dish twice yeah and that's why I would be a terrible terrible chef because I cannot replicate anything 
there's no consistency there. no no which is and, and same with my cheese making I've made amazing cheeses and stuff that barely makes it onto a pizza um, because I um, don't take notes and I sort of you know forget about it for a couple of days mm. and then so occasionally that works well yep. and occasionally it doesn't work yep. well and I never cook anything terrible yep. but some days it just comes off brilliantly you know but I, I always think about that too. I mean, if you decide to do something a bit different in your cooking, the worst thing that can happen is that it doesn't taste great, but it's no. still going to be edible. It's quite rare that you're going to produce something and sometimes that's completely you, inedible. You learn, like you cook something and it's bland or is not great. And that's when you go, oh, okay. I should have done that. I should have done that. Or I wonder why that that flavour that I thought would come through is not coming through. I've just and I've just started making soap and that's okay. that's a very similar interesting process where um, it's hard to get flavours and colours into soap. Mm-hmm. So I'm making because um, I've got bees, I'm making a, a beeswax soap yeah. and this is why I love living in the time we do because everything's you know you can you find can, all the answers you need. Yeah, online. you can go down rabbit holes for years yeah. and years once you start getting into something like that. There's so much stuff you can find out. But beeswax gives soap a much more honey aroma than honey does. Okay. You can add as much honey as you like and it's not going to come through the soap. You add the beeswax and you get a honey aroma. Mm. But if you smell beeswax, it doesn't really smell like honey. Yeah. I just find that really interesting that... It's the secondary form from the hive that smells like honey in that form, not the not the sort of main product. The actual product. Yeah. Interesting. That is really interesting. So if I stuck a wick in that soap, would would it burn? No, no. It's been. It's only six percent beeswax. Okay, so it's quite minimal. Yeah, and it makes the soap quite hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I trialed it because my cow is pregnant and coming back soon. So soon, I'm going to have lots of milk. And I've got three young kids, so I'm, you never struggle to use milk in our house. Yeah. But um, I'll make a, I'm making cold process so so you freeze the milk, and then add the caustic soda and the, and all the other ingredients, and it's quite safe compared to normal soap making, which produces lots of fumes and you've got to wear gloves and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. So you're making it from cow's milk because mm. most of the homemade soaps I see use goat's, goat's milk. Mm. What's the difference? I think goat's milk's trendier. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. I don't think you get particularly a much better result using goat's milk. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Um, and it's no better for... The, I mean, in terms of the skin... I don't think so. Go, goat's milk and, and cow's milk is very similar in terms of fat content. Um, the only thing with goat's milk is the fat globules are very small mm-hmm. um, and they don't rise... They're, they're nicely evenly dispersed. Cow's milk, you get that nice separation of cream and milk. Yeah. Um, but goat's milk has as much fat in it as cow's milk does. Mm. It's just a bit more spread out. Um, but yeah, I've, this milk's beautiful. It's nice and creamy. Lathers up nicely. Bit of beeswax. You nearly are self-sufficient. You're even making your own soap. You just yeah. need to figure out how to make toilet paper. Oh, uh, yeah, no. See, that's the thing. Like, you know, look, olive oil. I could make olive oil probably would like to make olive oil it's a lot of dicking around is it yeah yeah i've had a look and same with the soap like i grow lemon myrtle 
I'd really like to lemon myrtle soap mm -hmm. is really nice. I love yep. that smell and aroma and mm -hmm. everything. But to get essential oil out of lemon myrtle mm -hmm. is probably too much investment in equipment and time and effort. I'm just better off buying a 200 mil mm. essential oil yep. and using that. Letting someone else do that part yeah. of the process for you. So I'm really curious because I live in an apartment. Someone takes the bins out for me every week. My lifestyle is very... <laughs> low maintenance and I have a lot of time to myself mm. but for you someone who's making soaps growing fruit trees raising chicken how much extra time of your week do you think that takes up um I don't know to be honest with three small children that stuff feels like a little bit of um like such a minimal amount of time that I spend in my week yeah that I don't really notice it yeah because we, we've got twins, which are pretty hard work. So How old are they? Two. Okay. I've got yep. a four-year-old as well. So two terrible twos. Yeah. All boys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, the farm will be awesome. And, and is now. Like, you know, they love going down to the chickens and they're into watering the plants and stuff like that. So it's starting to be um, uh, like it's, it's a good time. It's good things for them to do as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. As being stuff that I do, mm -hmm. um, most of it's pretty. I'm not milking at the moment. Milking takes a fair chunk of your time, so yeah. like half an hour every day. Is it every day or twice a day? No, just once, once a, day. a day. And if you do it the small holder way, where you keep the calf, you don't even have to do it every day. So when you want milk, you just separate the calf out, and then you milk, mm -hmm. and then you put the calf back on. So if you want to go away for a weekend, mm -hmm. you just leave with the calf on her and the calf drinks all the milk. Ah, oh, it takes care of that. Yeah. So you, if you do that, your overall milk will slightly go down um, because the calf obviously drinks enough milk to make it grow. Yeah. And then whatever you take out, that's what the cow produce. Mm -hmm. So if the calf's only drinking and you're not milking, then it drops to what the calf's drinking. Yeah. And it, you can build it back up and, you know, but... um. That, yeah, that's the sort of small holder way of doing it, and then you're not you're not doing it twice a day. Yeah. If I've got a podcast tonight, or if I sleep in tomorrow morning, doesn't matter. You just whack the calf on the way you go. Ah, handy. What do you do when the calf grows? Oh, so once the calf grows up, they're not producing uh, anymore. Is I had a works? calf drinking milk off a cow for two and a half years. Really? And it I milked that. Yeah, it was bigger than mum. It was bigger than mum. Boy calf. And yeah, so he was still. He was still going, like, that they will. I'll just keep drinking it because it's good energy for them. It makes them grow. Mm -hmm. And you get really you get really good meat, too. If you if you can keep a calf on a cow for right up until you keep kill it and it's eating nice grass and it's because the milk's so high in fat, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, you get really nice really meat. Really good meat. Mm. So you use the cows that you have for meat as well? Um, I've got a farmer mate who sort of does a lot of stuff for me. So he takes the cow away and gets her pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I get half a lamb every now and again, things like that. So he gets all the calves. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like a little rental system for his services that he helps me out with every now and again, which is probably nowhere near enough. But then he takes the calves away and fattens them up. And So you're not really bonding with them? The calves. Up until that point. Oh, uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you give them pats and give them a scratch, but 
that's the way it is. Then you can't. I can't run it an endless amount of cattle eventually no I just mean in terms of then reconciling the fact that you say all oh, this was my pet and now it's dinner uh, I don't have a problem with that yeah. I, I, st- I, I have I, I think it's actually better to be to, to be really you know treat the animal like it's a, an animal right up to the point where I don't think that's hypocritical. You want to treat it as well as you possibly can yep. up to the point that it's going to get the chop. Yeah. You don't want to be sort of callous on it just to because you're worried about forming a bond with it. Yeah. Um, but I have no problems sending it away to to you know become meat. That's part of the system. So. I think that's good because there's a lot of meat eaters who have yeah. no exposure to that side no. of things, and they just say they don't want to know. No, they don't want to think about it. And I've I've. Cu- like, I've killed my own chickens, I've killed my own ducks, um, you know, I've been there when an animal's been slaughtered, um, and, uh, like, my my ten acres is pretty rough ground, um, it's not like, you know, people say, well, you know, you could be growing soy and eating beans, mm-hmm. um, that's not practical for my place, I, I haven't got enough water, and... You know that that is a way I can turn my land into something that I produce. And if I'm producing it at home and it's coming back to me, and you know there's no food miles in it at all, yeah, that that's actually way better for the environment than me eating soybeans grown in South America. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't have too many qualms about that. We don't eat heaps of meat, but um, yeah. And stuff grown yourself tastes way better. Oh, absolutely. I think there's that element of self-satisfaction there as well. Yeah, because it's, it's, you know, when you've chased them freaking up a hill, or, you know, across the dale yeah. to bring them back because they busted out of your fences. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of appreciate it a little bit more. When, when Curtis was first born and, and the fences were not real flash and they used to get out and go wandering and you used to whack him in the backpack and off we'd go going up and down the, for a while we thought because um, he used to you know here girls up you come yep. it used to be the call and Vanessa's like that's going to be his bloody first words it's not going to be mum or dad it's going to be here girls up you come what was his first word uh, I think it was mum oh, but nice. she was happy about <laughs> yeah. that but he did say that that was something that he said for a while so that's very cute mm. it's yeah it's funny they say that even going back to we went camping on the weekend and just that sense of accomplishment, which I guess we don't get very often anymore because so many things are done for us and at our disposal. Yeah. But, you know, taking the time to set up the campsite, to, to pack the car to drive there, to set up the campsite. And this is why we only go camping once a year because it feels like <laughs> such a lot of work for it a is. holiday. Well, we're, we're sort of, we really would love to do it, but it's like, oh man, three kids camping. It's, yeah. a, lot of, it's a lot of effort to go well, away for had, two days. We had six kids in in our little crew that went away camping so you know it was it was a pretty big undertaking we don't have any kids so for us it was easy two chairs barbecue that's it that's all we had to take but you know the guys with kids you've got to take the toys the soccer balls the extra clothes all of this stuff but um by the time we had set up the campsite it just felt like I had really earned mm. the cold beer that I cracked yeah, and that's right. the cheese platter that I sat down to ate. And for the next two days, I just loved going into my little home that I'd built. I was so proud of yeah. it. And when we came time to 
taken down. It was a little bit sad. Yeah. Oh, this has been at home for so long. I think that's why I really enjoy... um, Like, I like the farm and that's what, you know, I like working with my hands and I like feeling like I'm doing... And I'm not a very good inner city dweller. Mm -hmm. I did it for a while, for quite a long while. Um, But the last... We lived in Red Hill, you know, in a very close place and the last neighbours we had were quite... uh, They used to go away to work and then come home and party for like 10 days straight. Yeah. Oh, so they would fly in, fly out. Yeah. Um, And if that hadn't have happened, I probably could have moved into suburbia and had chooks and a veggie garden. But I just... I grew up in Gladstone on on Curtis Island just running you know Christmas holidays we just go and, and I had I don't know, 300 kilometres of island that I could just run up and down and, yeah. and I sort of missed that sense of space Yeah. Um, and that's what I love the most but yeah being able to build a chook pen or you know go and plant a couple of fruit trees wherever I want because I've got the space that's, pr- that's pretty nice it's nice to be able to do that yeah. it'd be a lot nicer when they start getting some actual fruit out of them but yeah, right now it's just that frustration period. Will it? Won't it? I, my wife jokes that I have killed probably a third of the fruit trees I planted, which is a bit disappointing. Well, you've you've managed to nurture two thirds. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But um, sort of worked out a little watering system of our grey water now, and uh, yeah, it turns out that plants like water, which is something I probably should have figured out a long time ago. Wow, <laughs> I'm going to take that home for yeah. my little herb garden. Sorry, any gardeners out there? You want yeah. a hot? You want a hot? I don't think I'll ever get a job hosting Gardening Australia. That's for sure. So, hit up Costa. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming in, Melinda. Have you got anything you would like to plug? I don't have anything specifically I'd like to plug. I am a writer, but one thing that I am looking to do is to start a tea blog because I recently. it's something that I love and I recently wrote an article about tea and that was really fun and so I thought well I should do something with this but when it's your own thing it's really hard to name and I know I'm a writer so I should be able to come up with a name so if anyone has any great ideas for a tea blog I would love to hear them because I'm hitting a brick wall that's kind of the last thing stopping me so your website is melindahalloran.com will you link the blog off that when you do it yeah, I'll put a post okay. up in the news section about that. Cool. And we'll we'll throw the link to that website in the show notes so people can track you down through there. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Cheers. Ta-